Welcome to the Sunday Morning Shakedown. Whether you're a longtime member of Logan Sport Church or you're simply looking to go a little bit deeper into our Sunday Morning message, the Sunday Morning Shakedown is here to enrich your faith journey. Join us every week. We dive a little deeper into the Sunday messages, providing you with the tools to apply this message to your everyday walk. Stay tuned. The journey begins now. Welcome to the Sunday Morning Shakedown. Well, it's kind of hard to believe that we are, gosh, three weeks into <laughs> this, four weeks technically, but three yeah. weeks into this uh, this series. That four we're weeks into the series, three different temperaments we've dealt with. And so really uh, kind of moving right along. It's amazing how sermon series just keep creeping through it. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> it, is, it really is. And uh, this week we hit on... Uh, traditionalist. Traditionalist. You know, I, I spent most of my life as a traditionalist. Um, grew up in an idea of a very traditionalist church. I, uh, I was actually talking to a gentleman yesterday, and he said that growing up, you could go through the bulletin and you could check off <laughs> what you were doing in order every week, and it would be it would be the same, be the you same, know. But yeah. you could go through, and, and I, I kind of grew up in that. I grew up with this idea um, that you know, reading your Bible, praying. Being at church on Sunday morning, that was the only way to connect to God. That was that was it. There was no other options than right. those things. And uh, you know, we, we talked about that week one when I had that crisis of belief that mm-hmm. began to challenge my traditionalism. That was, and we didn't. I didn't really share that the first week. It wasn't. I didn't share what the topic was, but the issue was traditionalist. Okay. I was a traditionalist, and that was attacked um, because my job became reading my Bible and praying yeah. and being at church on Sunday mornings. All yeah. the things that we that so many people do, they come to church, they hear the Bible read, yep. they pray with their church, um, they give to their church. All of a sudden, those things became my job, and yes. it attacked this sense of how do I connect with God in yep. it. So, um, so traditionalism, I, I was steeped in it, steeped in it from birth, and my dad, great traditionalist, Love the Lord, but for him, if you weren't at church on Sunday morning, you weren't reading your Bible, you weren't praying, you weren't connecting to God, and that was that was just the way I grew up. That was right. the sense of who I was. So, what what did you grow up? What church? I grew up Methodist, United okay. Methodist Church up in up in Athens, um, right. Indiana, and went from there to Mexico Church of the Brethren. Okay. Um, and so, but the United Methodist Church was very much we do the same thing every week. Um, my mom was a song leader; she led the music every week. You know, pull out the hymnals. We had a guy that would get up and do announcements every Sunday, um, responsive readings. We had you know Old Testament reading, New Testament reading, gospel reading. Yes, every Sunday those yeah. things would happen, and uh, I, I knew what to expect. I knew what was next. So I grew up Lutheran. Okay. So same thing, very, mm-hmm. very traditional, very, you know, same thing every single week. In fact, when, when, um, it, and it, it came through my family. I have a very German, strong German family mm-hmm. background and they were German Lutherans. They came yeah. over here from Germany and that's what they, that's what they did. And we went to, to church because that's what you were supposed to do. And, mm-hmm. and, um, in fact, when the church that we went to, um, merged with another Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. They did not have a pipe organ like the other church. Ah. My aunt, would, she wouldn't stand for that. So she paid, she wrote him a check to have a pipe organ installed at the mm. new church because you can't have church without a pipe organ. That's the tradition. That's the tradition. <laughs> have to have a pipe organ. Yes. Now we take our keyboard and we hit one little button and, and we, it sounds yeah. like one. I mean, we, we, had a, we had an organ this week. It was great. It was great. Yeah, and, and that so many people were were raised in that kind of an environment. And and if we have to be honest, 
um, we probably could say that church has been designed around traditionalists. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anybody anybody to think in a negative way that I'm speaking down to the idea of a traditionalist. I'm not. It's just interesting that everything was really um, designed around traditionalists and what their likes are, not around naturalists, not around sensates. Um, church was built for so, traditionalists. So that, that kind of goes into one of the first things I wanted to ask you today was during service, even before the message started, during service, one of the things we did was responsive readings yes. out of the book of Psalms, yes. which <laughs> is something we don't do. No. But it, it, it kind of took me back you know, to responsive readings as mm-hmm. a kid growing up in the Lutheran church. But mm-hmm. is, there, is there theology or doctrine that's tied into responsive readings? So what, what, what we get out of responsive readings is the um, I am reading the word, I'm hearing the word. Um, if, if you think about how do we go about grasping what God's word says, there's kind of five steps behind it. We hear the word, we read the word, we study the word, we memorize the word, we meditate on the word. And that hides the word in our heart. That's how we really get the word inside of us. And so the theology behind it was, okay, now you are you have the word in front of you. You're reading the word out loud. You're hearing the word go into your ears as the pastor is speaking it, as you're speaking it. And so then I'm learning theology as the word of God's being presented to me. So that's the big part about reading scriptures on Sunday morning. Right. Um, the big part about having, uh, having responsive readings or readings in unison is I'm hearing the word and reading the word simultaneously hopefully getting it into my head. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we just we've, we understand that um, in the early church, a lot of people couldn't read, um, okay. you know, a thousand years ago. And so there was these, there was these moments. They, Psalm 62 was one of those psalms that everyone was expected to know. It was an, in the early church, Psalm 50, Psalm 60, Psalm 62, Psalm 130. Those were just like expected memorization kind of passages. Right. So right. it was really easy to come to church, even if I couldn't read. I've heard it so many times. I can quote that. I can look up on the screen. I don't know what the word says, but I can say it because I've heard it. Um, and it was just a, it was a way to help get the word into people's hearts when they couldn't read. Mm. Um, they they would learn it so many times. So can you imagine your kid growing up? You hear the same responsive reading once a month. You do that for twenty years. You've got it memorized. Um, you've just learned how to read some of God's word. It's interesting. But is isn't the the I guess the uh, the danger in that is that it becomes rote. It just becomes you're going through the motions of not yeah. really hearing and, and understanding what the words are. You're just saying them. And uh, even when you think about the the book we've been looking at, that uh, it, there's just this sense that if I do the same thing over and over and over again, I can worship the thing more than the God of the thing. Right. And um, I, I sense that that becomes a problem with some people, even even as they argue about versions of the Bible mm. to read. Yeah. The yeah. the version becomes a God more than the God of the Bible becomes a God. Yep. Um, or, you know, what what responsive reading we're going to do each week, um, what Old Testament reading, New Testament reading we're going to do. Those things can be lifted up and exalted to a place where they're more important than the God who is behind them, um, which, is, which is one of the struggles of a traditionalist. It's just one of the legitimate struggles that we face is that the thing can become so important to us. I know a pastor that described the NIV as uh, as Satan's version. Mm, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. And it's like I, I don't know that I would go that far, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure the all the different denominations that got together and wrestled through the Greek right. and Hebrew to um, would would have a different opinion on that as well. <laughs> right. So you, you told this story, which I I I connected with on so many levels about. When, when Peggy's grandma died and it was Thanksgiving time, because, you know, Thanksgiving is, is one of those 
one of those days that that you don't mess with. Like you can do whatever you want, whatever you want throughout the rest of the year. Do not mess with Thanksgiving. And don't you had the it. gall to suggest doing something different. Yeah, I did have a lot of gall. I guess and I thought it was a good idea though to go. <laughs> That instead of having a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, let's do like an Italian feast. Yeah. Which I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the year, um, I think it was 20, when COVID was kind of at full tilt. Mm-hmm. And we decided it was not a good idea for all of us. My mom had cancer at the time and not a good idea for all of us to get together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, let's just have a big like Italian deal. And it, I got kind of the same side eye. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So we're on the same page. Maybe you and I should just have, <laughs> we are ready for Thanksgiving this year. We're not having turkey lasagna either. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But there is, there's this reality that the traditions remind us of the past. Traditions are safe places for us to go. Um, traditions bring us back to it's okay. I'm at home. I'm with my family. I'm with food that I know. I'm with people that I love. And all those things create a solid memory that helps me to cope in very difficult times. And that's the blessing of traditions, um, that when everything else seems to be falling apart, I know I can lean into this. Mm-hmm. I know I can lean into Thanksgiving. I know there's I know there's going to be red cake with the little sprinkles <laughs> on the outside of it. I know there's going to be baked beans. It's yes. got you know some, some little beanie weenie kind of things in them and some onions. And I know that there's going to be a turkey that's going to be dry. It's going to be dry. I can, it's going to be... I can yeah. guarantee it. Yeah. But in a world that's always changing... Right. It is nice once in a while to have something exactly the same. That's just that. You know what to expect. Yeah. You know what to get. Yeah. And so for, for, for those of you that are listening to this broadcast and are like, you know, well, I really like this going on Sunday mornings and there's praise and worship kind of stuff going on. And that, you know, that there's these little boxes up front. I can drop my money in them. I'm not a traditionalist at all. I, I, I like this. Now, hang on a second. How many songs do you sing every Sunday? Right. Three or four. Three or four. And there's always a little box that you always put your money in it. And this pastor always gets up and preaches. We have created a tradition in those things. Just because we're not having responsive readings doesn't mean it's not a tradition. Yes. Um, and I think that's something that some people have not caught. We are developing new traditions. Well, it's it's funny because my wife and I talked about that afterwards when we were discussing the message and that, you know, yeah, there there are searches, there, there are certain churches that that they don't change, that, mm-hmm. we, that they're the same now as they were, mm-hmm. you know, 50, 70, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then you have churches that they, they change every week. Right. But in that, it's a tradition then for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for them to change everything. It is. Every week. And it's, it's they're, they're doing the same thing, just a different, a different angle. Yeah. And I think the, the great thing about thinking about maybe doing things in a different way is, okay, how can I have a tradition that now connects to the senses, so we can go back to last week being a sensate. Right. Okay, so we can create t- traditions that, that incorporate people that are sensates. We can create traditions that incorporate people that are naturalists. Um, we can all of a sudden begin to combine. And I hope hope as we go farther and farther into the series, we'll start seeing how, oh, I can come to church. I can meet my traditionalist needs while I'm allowing sensates to meet their needs, while I'm allowing the naturalists to meet their needs, while the ascetics are still meeting their needs. We can create moments where we can all come together and get along. This scary part is when we start saying, no, I'm not going to allow the sensate to experience worship today. No, I'm not going to allow the ascetic to experience worship today because I have to have this pattern right. to fit my worship experience. That's the hard part. Yeah. That's the hard part. Right. So in that, you kind of answered it. I had, one of the questions I had was, you know, when you, when you bring up traditions, a lot of times it takes us back to when we were if not a kid, certainly when we were much younger, mm-hmm. and and I was just wondering why we find so much comfort and why do we connect so strongly with that different time in our life? 
you know, it's always good to think back about people that we've lost, loved, and they're not here any longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we're coming up next week is my dad's uh, anniversary of his death. Yeah. And so I've got these thoughts in my mind. I've got these emotions that I'm feeling. Yep. Um, and I can walk up to the pulpit on Sunday morning and my dad built that pulpit for me. Um, it's, it's a stable, when I grab a hold of it, I feel like I'm grabbing hold of my dad. You know, right. it's a tradition. It's just, it's an important part of my being. And when I go to my mom and dad's house, um, I can see things that my dad made. There's tradition involved in that. So there's peace, there's comfort, there's remembering. And we never want to forget those who have gone before us. An important part of Sunday, and I don't know if people caught it, but an important part for me Sunday was, um, remembering those who have given us the church that we have. Yeah. You know, this church's got 120 years of tradition behind right. it. Right. And it, moments we need to come back and say thank you, mm-hmm. you know, to those who've gone. The Bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses. And a part of that great cloud of witnesses, I can think of names. I can think of women and men that were part of this congregation. Um, and I celebrate them through some of that tradition. Um, as, as Abby was playing the keyboard, I was thinking about Doris playing the pipe organ <laughs> because it, yeah. she would play, you know, yeah. and I, I, for 20 years around here, I remember her playing that and I remembered her and I honored her in that moment. Right. That's what traditions do for us. It's, it's, it's that chance to reconnect, um, with something from before, uh, to remember something of the past and to know that there's stability. Yeah. In it, it's, it's inter- Cause when she was playing, I thought of my, my aunt Oni who, you know, Mm. Would would sit and listen to the the prelude and the postlude when mm-hmm. when church was over and, and before it began. And yeah, that was her favorite part. I think was to hear that music, and that's mm-hmm. why she was so passionate to get a pipe organ in the new church that they merged with. But, but yeah, I thought of her too. So. so what happens though if those memories are not good memories? That was my that's, next question. Okay, yeah, so, <laughs> sorry. So yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> ask the question. <laughs> all right. So so what happens if you know you think back to when you were younger, or whatever, but they weren't good. They were. They may be traumatic. And I, I, I feel like there's many people that have had um, negative experiences in church. I feel like there are people that have had um, um, trauma that has come out of their church life. Yes. And so those traditions then, they don't bring back good memories. They bring back memories of pain, of suffering. Um, they bring back memories of hurt. They bring back memories of you know um, people that have been taken advantage of. And that, that saddens me. The, the traditions we have, while it can bring good memories to many, it can also take other people to a very dark place. Right. And we wonder why they would run then. We wonder why they would not want to be a part of a church that has these kind of traditions. And I think the reason is, is because it's too much pain, too much suffering, or too much shame that's been connected to it. Because shame is a driving force for us. Um, shame causes us to, to run away, to cover, to hide. Um, and so if your life growing up, let's just say you were in a church where you've got a pastor that's pounding on the pulpit and telling you you're going to hell every Sunday. Yes. You've got a pastor that's, you know, instead of showing them the love of God, he's showing a vengeful, wrathful God. And if you have a steady diet of that, um, the shame then of, I walked away from church, um, I've been gone for five or eight or 10 years, and now I show back up at church on Sunday morning, what memories are brought forth because of what happened in those moments? Right. And my guess is the, the average traditionalist never goes there. They don't come to church on Sunday morning and think about the negative things because for them, the traditions have all been positive. It's all caused them to have good thoughts about Sunday. So they don't come into church thinking, what are we going to do today to trigger someone to remember their past, to cause someone to want to run, to cause someone to want to flee? Don't think that's a typical thought that runs across individuals' minds. Um, But just as those good thoughts draw some people into church, negative thoughts can push people away. Um, and it can come out of tradition. That's really interesting. I mean, you're absolutely right. I have a very good friend of mine who 
we, we've talked many times. He grew up in that kind of church mm. where it was, mm-hmm. you know, hellfire and brimstone mm-hmm. and he pounding and, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to burn in hell and all this, you know, that's what he grew up with. And he wants nothing to do with it. Right. Even though we've talked, I'm like, dude, that's not how it is. Like that's, that's right. not, that's not the God I know, you know, it's, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's, he's unwilling to, to take that leap because of what he grew up with. And my guess is if he went into an environment that didn't have those triggers, it would be easier then for him to be able to experience worship. You but maybe even getting back into that environment is going to be a hard part because in his mind, every church is going to have that same kind of motif going on and creating a different motif is really important for us then. Yeah. Uh, some way that we can connect with people in a way that doesn't trigger those negative memories of the past growing up. And then I, it, it also went to, I think, to some some family members that also kind of bought into this and mm-hmm. drilled that yeah. down. So then you yeah. you have it, you know, not just in church, but from your family as well. So all the way around, yeah, all the way around. Yeah. It's it's just sad. It's just sad. It's sad that churches do so much damage, you know. And I apologize to those people out there that have felt that pain and that hurt. And if you're listening to this podcast today, um, you know, I'm sorry that that happened in your life. And you need to know that there's a God who still loves you mm-hmm. and that you're still welcome. And there's a place for you to be able to connect um, because He still wants to connect with you. He and, still wants to. And I would just tag on to that. Don't let anyone ever discount your church trauma that happened. No. Because I think that no. can happen sometimes too. It's like, you know, just get over it. And it's like, oh. it's not quite that easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I come out of church trauma. I, I understand what church trauma feels like. I think that's probably why we have so many people at this church that have experienced church trauma <laughs> is that, you know, they come to me and tell me stories. I'm like, yeah, I've been there. I know mm-hmm. what that feels like. I can, I can relate with people in that. And I don't want people to feel like that is be able to, it's not just something you walk away from. Um, when your religion, when your relationship has been called to question because of some of this um, struggles that people have had, it's a terrible thing and it needs to be addressed. And people can work through it though. They can work through it. They can find healing through it. I know that I have. Praise the Lord. I found mm-hmm. healing from that. Yeah. And then God has used it to be able to help other people. Mm-hmm. And you know, God will always use a herd if we'll let him. Yep. We just have to let him. Yep. He will um, absolutely. So uh, we then looked at Jesus. Because that's what we do during mm-hmm. our message. We look at Jesus. Um, <laughs> Good place to go. Absolutely. Great but, uh, but But you looked at, at Luke 4 and kind of broke that down that, that he, it's, you know, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Yeah. So he went there on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. I, I love, I never thought of this. He's like the one person that never needed to go to church. No. <laughs> when you are the church, you know, it's like when you are, you don't, but he went anyway. He went anyway. Set an example for us, you yeah. know, and it is interesting that those little words in Luke, as was his custom, yeah. are there. And we, to understand that Jesus had this custom, this tradition uh-huh. of going to church and to going to synagogue, to reading the scripture, to hearing the scriptures read, to, you know, gathering around with the men of the community. And then, you know, even, even I, I didn't really get to go there, but I love the little statement. At the end, well, isn't this... Jesus, Joseph's son, the guy that's the carpenter, you know, and isn't that what it's like at church? You know, you, I, I yeah. remember when I would go back up to Athens, United Methodist, after I had I had grown up, gone away, gotten married, was pastoring another church. We'd go back up there to church, and like, well, Aaron, it's so good to see you, and I could yeah. just see Jesus walking into the synagogue, you right. know. Well, Jesus, isn't that Joseph's isn't, son? Aren't yeah. You? yeah, I remember yeah. you when you was a little tyke. Right. You had a snotty nose one day. I remember that, you know. <laughs> you remember that, Jesus? And and I real, I think that that says what church is like, though, for some people. They they've been there. They remember those things, and it's good. Yeah, 
it's good. Yeah. So that was that was Jesus. I mean, he he didn't, you know, he knew the Bible frontwards and backwards. He wrote it. Yeah, exactly. He knew every song that was going to be sung. We we kind of know what the order of worship is. He was there when the pastor put the order of worship together. <laughs> He's guiding the whole process. No doubt. You know? And so yeah, it was kind of a different way to think about that passage of scripture. Do you think anybody looked at him and said, "Hey, remember that time your family left you behind?" <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we they were, they were, like, they were way down one. the road before they knew you were gone. It was crazy. What? They thought you were with us. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of mom and dad would do that? Come yeah, on. yeah. No, then you, um, I want you to explain, and you, because you, you kind of glossed over this, but I want you to take time now. Is it Didache? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Didache. Okay, what is that? Mm-hmm. So there's this ancient text that's been found. It's dated back into the 150, 170 range. And it's uh, Didache. It means the teachings of the 12. Okay. Teachings of the 12. And so there's this book that contains what many people believe would be thoughts that the disciples had put together, um, ideas that they had put together, things that were expected out of the early Christian community. Now, it's not not connected to the Bible. Um, it's in the Pseudopigrapha, which is like a collection of um, writings from the first three centuries that did not get included in scripture. Okay. So we don't consider the Didache like equal to scripture. We just consider it something that can help teach us. It's a history book. Like the Mishnah would be like the teaching book for the Jewish people, okay. a kind of a, a companion piece to go along with their Old Testament. Right. Um, so we would see the same, could say the same thing with the Didache. Okay. It's this companion piece that we could use if we wanted to. Kind of like um, this podcast. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just kind of an addition kind of thing, you know, to yeah. help us. And one of the pieces that they talk about in this Didache is that the disciples expected, they expected Christians to pray three times a day, that they would have three set prayer times. Hmm. Um, some expanded that. And so if you go back to early monasteries, you know, by the time we get into two and 300, they're saying, no, we need five times a day. No, we need seven times a day. So they kind of expanded upon this work. But for the early works were saying Christians should set apart Morning, noon, and night. So this is kind of interesting. Think about this. Morning, noon, and night. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We wonder where did praying for our meals there you go. kind of thing. We got here. You know, here's three chances to pray, yep. um, to take time to do that. But I don't think it's, you know, God is great. God is good. Now we thank him for our food. Um, but the Jewish people did have set prayers that they would pray at their meals. Yeah. The early church says, let's take time and connect with God through prayer. Um, and... The Dace was a piece that would just would say the early disciples would say at least three times a day. At least three times Interesting. a day. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Is Great a- ancient work. You can find it online all over the place. It's just a good, good little piece. But uh, one of those prayers was the Acts prayer. Which, yeah. Uh, Adoration, confession, <laughs> thanksgiving, supplication. Which that kind of gained some traction again a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Really kind of yeah, yeah. Revisiting it, that Axe prayer thing. If you look at it, it's, it's not going to spell it out in those words in the Dadache. It's just going to kind of right. give you this kind of categories of how we go about praying. You know, mm-hmm. give God glory. Don't just go asking. Give God thanksgiving. Um, don't just go begging. There's there's just this sense that we need to be about relationship, relationship. And so I was hoping to teach people Sunday that there is a little pattern that we can use mm-hmm. in our prayer lives. Mm-hmm. As we follow a pattern that says, I adore God first, I confess my sins to him, You know, I thank him for the things he's done. By the time I get to supplication, I'm usually getting tired of praying. I mean, just seriously, if you've spent some real time doing those other things, yep. by the time that you're asking God for stuff comes around, it's like, it just doesn't seem quite as important as it did before. Yeah, It's not quite as centrally focused. That's why that's an important pattern to follow. That's interesting. And, I, and um, I also thought it was interesting that we did the Lord's Prayer, but it was the old school version. 
<laughs> of, I mean, I caught that. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, you know, debts and debtors. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I, I actually was trying to figure out which one to use. <laughs> I'm like, well, if we got any Methodists here, we're going to have, you know, the trespasses and trespass against, and then the brethren tended to be the debts and debtors, and now we've got sins and those who sins against us. And then we've got, you know, some of the Catholics in our midst that would, they would ditch the last little piece. Yes. It got added later. And so it was just interesting to think traditionally how even traditions have changes. It's all those changes. This has been made. Yeah. But then I, I just thought, I just thought it was interesting that on this day of tradition that you went, you went kind of old school with that. Old school. I thought it was, uh, I thought that was interesting. I, I tried to go old school. I tried to go old school. Which version did you get that from? <sighs> online version. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so, you know, I actually went, got online and I looked and there was, there was a website where it had a bunch of different versions through the centuries. Okay. There's actually more than the four. Um, there's been a number of changes through the years. And right. I, this is the one I remembered as a kid cut paste. That's how okay. it got on there. Gotcha. Cause it wasn't quite the, the new King, new King James. No, version. it wasn't no. quite that. It wasn't quite the these and thou ish. Right. It was, it had, Hints of that, but mm-hmm. didn't quite go no. more into it. Not so, quite that old school. Yeah. Back to uh, Aaron's old school days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, as, as we kind of kind of get wrapping up here, um, you mentioned this before, what the struggles of a traditionalist are like. And the thing about the thing about this book from from is is that the traditionalists, like you said, they get rebuked more in this book than any other temperament. Yeah, it's one thing I noticed that Gary Thomas did. It just kind of surprised me. There's a huge section that talk and and I, I was hoping so much Sunday that people didn't feel like I was rebuking them. I right. mean, I know that I understand that word. Yeah. Um. I I think it's awareness. Um. I need to be aware as a sensate that I don't fall in love with senses that don't connect with God. Hmm. And as a traditionalist, I need to make sure that I'm aware that I don't fall in love with a tradition that no longer connects me to God. And uh, I, I, I've heard, you know, you hear jokes, your stories about Jesus showed up at this church on Sunday morning and wasn't welcome there. Hmm. And I, I'm afraid that sometimes in traditionalism that that could happen, that we so got caught up in, I loved the traditions of today. I loved right. the things that we did today, but I really never loved Jesus in the moments that today experienced. Um, and I think Gary Thomas pointed out for me in a way that I never really had, had completely understood before. Um, sometimes I just would rebel against the idea of traditionalism because of the experiences I had had in my life with traditionalism. Right. This really helped me to understand what the struggle was. Um, how that struggle, um, how deep that struggle is. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard when you don't like change to make changes. Um, one of the things that I think is important for all of us just to, to consider today is that if you are a traditionalist, there are so many things that you can do traditionally that it's not like Sunday morning is your only chance to connect with this. If you're a traditionalist, you should be reading your Bible morning and night. If you're a traditionalist, you should have a good devotion that you're doing. You, you should have a good prayer closet you're going to. There's so many areas of your tradition that you can constantly practice day in, day out. Um, that I doesn't mean I also have to have Sunday morning totally to myself as well. And that's, I think Gary did a great job of just saying, okay, let's just open our mind a little bit to understand the struggle that we have. Hmm. Um, and when we understand the struggle, maybe it'll help us to respond in a little different way. That's interesting. That is, that is because, you know, I'm just looking at uh, some of these notes I took, like deifying the object over, mm. the, over the intent. So, so deify means to, to worship the object over yes. what it represents. Yeah, deify, make, make the object deity, make the yeah. object God. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't even remember if I told the story or not about this. Uh, there was a, um, it was in the book, it was such a great story, that this pastor, he gets up on Sunday morning, it's his first Sunday at church. Remind me if I told this or not. He's first Sunday at church, and he uh, um, he gives him a great message, have communion. He's going to close. He bows his head. He says prayer. He has been moved by this day, and he opens his eyes as he looks up to close, and he yeah. notices that the whole church is standing together holding hands. And he notices that the lady's heading to the organ, and the head deacon is walking up towards the pulpit, and he's like, what's going on? And the head deacon pushes the pastor out of the way, and he begins to sing a song, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. Sure. And then after church was over with, they tell the pastor, well, we've sang that song every Sunday as long as we can remember to close the service. Isn't it interesting that they push the pastor out of the way? Push him out of the way. So they can live their tradition. Right. How, how does the new person that's not the pastor yeah. fit into that tradition when right. nobody else knew besides those who go that was going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I thought, whoa, that's, you know, I can just see somebody, Jesus, let me push you out of the way. Yeah. So we yeah. can live out what we've always done. So there can be, there can be, you know, a lot of comfort, a lot of power, a lot of, of good in yes, yes. But it can be a slippery slope as well. It can be. It can be. Just like every other like every of other. these um, are going are gonna to be. You know, we, we talked about some dealing with naturalists. We talked about some with sensates. Next week, we're going to have some big ones as we you know, look at what it means to be an ascetic. And <laughs> I, I want to be alone. I want to be dark. I don't want to experience my senses. I want, you know, I want to give up. Um, and how does that begin to affect our going out into the world? <laughs> You know, how many monks never leave the monastery? Right. And now when you say give up, you mean give up? Give up your money, give yeah. up your time, give up your nice house. Okay. Um, one of the things that just it's just crazy about next week's message is that these these monks going to a monastery live in a cell. It's called a cell. Okay. That's their room is a cell. A cell. How many people want to live in a cell? Well, Monks want to live in a cell. Not in prison, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. right, you know. But yet they love it. They love they love their ascetic lifestyle. Right. Um, but again, if you could love the lifestyle, you might not love the God of the lifestyle. Gotcha. You just so every one of these we're gonna come back to. This. So if today, if you're a traditionalist, uh, please know I'm not hammering on you today. I love you. I appreciate your your love for God and the way you find God. I just want to make sure you're still finding God in that place there um, because there's nothing more dangerous than missing God in the middle of his traditions. Sounds good. All right, pray us out. Hey, Father God, thank you so much just for loving us. And thank you, Lord, for the traditions that we grew up with, those of us who grew up in church, who grew up in families that have family traditions. Thank you, Lord, for um, all of those that have caused us to remember you. And Lord, I want to pray especially today for those who have been hurt by the traditions of the church. And I just ask, Lord, that you will comfort them and help them to know that there is a place where they can connect with you um, that doesn't feel or act like the church that they remember as a child. I pray, Father God, you will draw people, not just to this church, but to the churches in Logansport that are trying to find ways to connect with you. Um, Lord, there are many churches today that have a desire to draw people into your presence. May, may each of us come to church on Sunday to find you there. May you show up there, Lord. May you be welcome there. Um, whether we find you through our senses or through our traditions or in a quiet moment in a corner, Lord, may you be present and be known as we come to meet with you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. This has been the Sunday Morning Shakedown. We'll catch you again next week. As always, visit logansportchurch.org slash podcast for more.